We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live after the Chargers have officially clinched a playoff spot in 2022 after beating the Indianapolis Colts on Monday Night Football 20-3. to uh, My name is Steven. Of course, I am your host. Apologize for the poor audio in Utah at my parents' house, so we'll uh, we'll get pushed through it today. But uh, joining me tonight are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing tonight? Did not think we would be here three weeks ago, uh, but we have clinched a playoff spot, uh, even if, you know, Lombardi kind of had to drag us there to get get us to the finish line. Uh, but we scored the touchdowns that we needed tonight, beat the Colts, uh, and it feels good. This is the first uh, playoff berth of the GAC era, if you want to call it that. Uh, so yeah. it feels nice to have some, you know, playoff football to watch and feels nice that Justin Herbert finally, you know, gets to be in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, uh, a month ago, we were, at least I was, lamenting about, like, not being able to cover a playoff push since 2018, which was uh, my first season covering the Chargers with Bolt Beat, um, and obviously that was a long time ago. So, uh, you know, Brandon Staley and, and company deserve a lot of credit for riding the ship and getting to this point. We'll dive into all of that, of course, uh, here in a second. So Tyler's here as well, man. Tyler, how's it going, man? I'm stoked. I mean, we literally started this with Justin Herbert. We started the podcast with Justin Herbert, so that's nice. But that was also the Anthony Lynn era, and that counts yeah. for about 50 years of my life. <laughs> so going through that, going through last year and missing it, finally in the postseason now since 2018, like it feels nice. It's weird that it happened so soon, considering just a few weeks ago we were 
almost out of the postseason altogether. But hey, you know, the teams in front of the Chargers around the Chargers went one and 15 the last three weeks. The Chargers have now gone three and oh, and they're in. Don't know where they'll end up just yet, but for now, they're in, and I'm stoked. Yeah, man, that's really all we can ask for. Like, I've never seen things line up like this for the Chargers in my entire life, frankly, for like any of my teams. You know, the, the one in 16 stat is, or one in 15, excuse me, is uh, just crazy. So excited to dive into all that. We'll figure out playoff seating down the road here, but, uh, you know, more than anything, just excited to cover a playoff push for the mm-hmm. Chargers here. You know, obviously, Tara, appreciate her. Uh, loyal listener, you know, super chat here tonight. Chargers are playoff bound. Let's go. Justin Herbert in the playoffs defense has been lights out, and we'll get Slater and back for the playoffs both up. So appreciate the comment there, Tara. Uh, everybody else in the chat, let us know how you're feeling after that win. I mean, uh, certainly not a super inspiring offensive performance, but, uh, you know, I think what it means for this team overall cannot be uh, overstated. So uh, let us know how you're feeling in the chat about the Chargers being back in the playoffs as of tonight. Feels pretty good, but there's that there's that little thing you can hear. Yeah. You can hear that little thing potentially on the offense, but it does feel good. Yeah, we'll we'll dive into that little thing here in a minute. But um, Alex, we'll start with you, man. Your uh, your general takeaway as you sit back here, you know, thirty minutes, forty minutes after that game has officially ended, um, you know, kind of had a little bit of time to reflect a little bit on what this win means. Uh, obviously, outside of being back in the playoffs. So, what's your your general takeaway from uh, tonight's win by the Chargers? Yeah, um, I I think it's all credit to Brandon Staley in this one and particularly the last three weeks. You know, the Chargers have put together performances where they really allowed the Dolphins to score 10 points. They got seven off of the weird Tyreek fumble, which is still the most Chargers (laughs) thing to happen. But they allowed 10 points to the Dolphins. They allowed three points to the Colts tonight and they allowed 14 last week to Tennessee. So Brandon Staley and points, yards, whatever defensive metric you want to use, sacks. We were just wondering what the fuck was a sack like four (laughs) weeks ago. They never happened. Kyle Van Noy now has three straight games with a sack. Khalil Mack getting in on the action as well. Um, and this team has, you know, completely changed their defensive performances. And, you know, uh, in terms of what that means for Staley and this coaching staff, you know, you pay JC Jackson. Obviously, he hasn't been here since the Seattle game. Joey Bosa has not been here. And the last three weeks, you have not played with Derwin James for two and a half uh, games, basically. And... Yeah. To go three and zero in that stretch, and and what that means for this team without those key contributors that were expected to basically be defensive difference makers before the season started, says a lot about the continuity. Says a lot about the players that have stepped up, like Michael Davis and Asante Samuel Jr. in the secondary tonight. Uh, of course, you know you have Kenneth Murray, who I think has been playing really well, uh, which has been a nice development. Drew Tranquil, of course, in the linebacker room as well, and then the defensive line, which has come alive, and I, I think SJD uh, Fahoko. Uh, as well as Kyle Van Noy have been a huge part of that in the last three weeks in particular. So just for the Chargers, I mean, this game for me is all about the defensive turnaround. We'll talk about the offensive turnaround later, but the Chargers did still find the way to put up points on the board when they needed to uh, and and get past this kind of anemic Colts offense in, in that situation with Jeff Saturday and Nick Foles. Uh, but overall, this was a great win for the Chargers from a defensive standpoint. It gives you, you know, confidence. Obviously, we still need to see it turn around on the offense, but that, you know, if they have to go against Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and all these playoff quarterbacks, this defense is more than up to the task, especially when they do get Derwin James, you know, fully back um, when they get Joey Bosa back and as well as, uh, you know, just potentially the offensive improvements 
that can you know put this team more on the par of being a, a playoff team from wire to wire yeah i will start with the obvious first is that i don't trust the defense just yet we're not very far removed from josh mcdaniels having a field day versus this defense okay got that out of the way they've been playing awesome football and as we say with with the offense with the defense with teams in general you play who you have to play and the guys in front of you are the guys you have to you just have to play them there's nothing you can do and so you want to see the defense go out and beat up some really bad teams dolphins certainly not a bad offense whatsoever but they've been struggling so far and two has struggled that game but you know if it's titans and it's ryan Tannehill with one ankle and it's Nick Foles getting sacked seven times and throwing three picks and not playing a great game and whatever. That's who you have to play. And right now with the guys in front of them, they're playing excellent defense right now. And it's finally starting to look like two things happened. One, I think the guys that maybe should have been on the field or have been the best players are now on the field. Someone like Michael Davis, not that he's necessarily better than JC Jackson, but I mean, so far he's played better than JC Jackson has played with the sure. Chargers this year. They've been missing someone like Braden Fajoko, who's been now he's the nose, freeing up other guys. Alohi Gilman's now on the field. Um, you know, some guys that maybe they didn't want to play, weren't sure about, or they even just they want to let some of the star guys play, like Jerry Tillery. They wanted to get him out there, granted in a smaller role. He's gone. And, and some of these guys are just, it's now just the best guys. Like if you if you were to do preseason and watch the offseason and have these guys compete and shake them up and throw them out there in the middle of the year, like they have, like this is like the team you would want out there because it feels like it's their best players out there. Even if maybe it's not their most talented, maybe it's not their most highest paid guys. It's not the guys they drafted the highest, but it's their best 11 out there right now. Um, obviously with some guys rotating. So that's helpful for sure. The second is that we've been, we've been waiting on these guys and we finally got everyone who was slow to catch up to this defense, um, whether it was starting last year or now just this year joining the team. They're finally now up to sync. It feels like like Kyle Van Noy, I feel like I've been higher on him throughout the year, just kind of watching him, but he never really had the big plays. Now it's just like week after week after week, three weeks yeah. in a row, he has four sacks now, blew up a screen, playing really, really good football. Um, Steven, I think you said he had the best game of any player when you watched the Titans film. Um, certainly it was very impactful in that game. Kenneth Murray has gone from being a liability to not being great, but you can see, like even against the Titans, like there was a lot of issues but he's gone from being a complete liability to actually being a bit of a playmaker in certain moments throughout the game that's huge chris rumpf couldn't tell you what he did before last week throughout the entire season <laughs> i was got you know he should have had two sacks tonight but he had one last yeah. week, huge one had another sack tonight like the guys that really weren't doing much we were waiting we were waiting we we're waiting now those guys are coming alive too so you're playing sound scheme football you have i think your best available 11 players out there and the guys that you needed to step up that you wanted as a part of your rotation, those guys are stepping up too. I mean, it's it's just been a really, really nice change for the defense. Again, I don't fully trust them. We're not far removed from watching Travis Kelsey have a field day against this defense. But still, for right now, it all looks very positive. And if they want to win 20-3 to three in the postseason all the way to the Super Bowl, I won't stop them. <laughs> No, like I, I, uh, I definitely agree with you. I don't know how much of the defensive improvement is going to translate into the playoffs, but there is some viable improvements, right? Like we, you know, saw this team get carved up and down the field by the Atlanta Falcons who could barely pass the ball. And, you know, the run defense was a little bit more leaky tonight than I would have liked to see. I love Zach Moss. He's one of my favorite college football players of all time. 
watching him run for five yards in a carry is, is probably not ideal given how his NFL career has uh, unfolded. But, um, you know, if you would have told me yesterday that this defense was going to go up against Nick Foles and, you know, the, the, the circumstances for Nick Foles to start, obviously uh, not ideal from a quarterback standpoint, but still you get seven sacks against this Colts offensive line, which, uh, you know, Alex kind of mentioned that the pass rush being a little anemic, you know, earlier in the season, get three interceptions. So, so big, big day from the Chargers defense. And frankly, Brandon Staley deserves a lot of credit for that. I mean, uh, I think the players do as well, but the, the schemes that they've been running the last few weeks have just been really sound, really smart football. Um, Michael Davis looked like he was playing safety a couple of bit, uh, on a couple of plays tonight. I mean, Josiah Taylor was involved, Bryce Callahan, Derwin James, obviously before the ejection. So, the defense was fantastic tonight and obviously has been the story of the season for the Chargers over the last month or so. And, um, you know, it's just – it's something that we needed to see happen if the Chargers were ever going to be, you know, true playoff contenders. Because at this point, we'll see what happens when Joey Bosa comes back, but no J.C. Jackson. Defensive tackle has been just been decimated by injuries. But we needed to see this defense become a viable – you know, above average defense this year. And I think that's starting to happen. So um, we'll see really kind of what tests they're able to get from the Rams and from the Broncos who have their own issues, obviously. <laughs> um, but I, I do think that we can absolutely point to the defense as an improved unit in a lot mm -hmm. of different categories. And, you know, to me, the most improved category is obviously the pass rush and um, the way that Kyle Benoit, Chris Rump, Khalil Mack have really come together and, I'm really glad that Cleo Mack got that sack tonight because he had been rushing so, mm. so well mm -hmm. over the last few weeks and just like just comes up short like by a hair here and there. So um, great unit, great performance by the pass rush unit tonight for sure. Yeah, so Arjun just sent out the unofficial stats. It's a long one <laughs> for the pass rush. So Kyle Van Noy and Cleo Mack each had five pressures and one sack. Morgan Fox had three pressures and two sacks. Chris Rumpf had two pressures, one sack. Trenkel had two pressures. Hinton, Murray, Derwin James, Tuska, and Callahan each had one pressure, and Kenneth Murray had a sack. Uh, so a lot of pressures tonight. I'm not going to do the math there, but uh, pretty, pretty good overall. Still can't 22 get pressures. Also to get one. Pretty, thank you so much, Alex. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, 22 pressures against this offensive line. Still definitely a beat-up offensive line. It's not what it used to be, but you know, getting 22 pressures, seven sacks. Uh, you know, We'll see about the quarterback hits, how much that changes, but... Um, just a, a great performance from the pass rush overall. And um, I, I think we're really seeing this defense starting to gel at a higher level too, which has been a key thing. I mean, obviously we, we you know heard the stories this week about the Chargers team dinners that Khalil Mack has kind of started to to pay for for the defense. And uh, man, it sounds oh, like a really? great time. Have you not did you not read the story? I, I saw the story came out, I didn't read it. So this was a Lindsay Theory story um, highlighting the Chargers team dinners, which we've heard a little bit about here and there. Um, but I forget the restaurant in Newport. It's some uh, uh, seafood steakhouse kind of restaurant. And uh, Khalil Mack just kind of started gathering teammates and taking them out. And uh, he's paying the bill for all of these dinners, which have been, you know, up to 40 NFL players at this, you know, very expensive steakhouse seafood restaurant. And, uh, you know, it just is. I think it really highlights the importance of of having a guy like Kalimak come in mm. and, and have that kind of leadership, you know, build this kind of character on this team. You know, uh, Kyle Van Noy is obviously leading a lot of team meetings himself. So I think those two players mm -hmm. individually are, are really showing their worth uh, recently over the last few weeks. 
Uh, Mastro's Ocean Club. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. So, okay. Great seafood towers. I get it. All right. If that's working, man, whatever's in the, the seafood, whatever, go for it. Yeah, it nice. was, uh, of course, they, they interviewed Braden Fajoko about the, the food. And he was like, he listed off like seven things that he ordered at their first dinner. And Khalil Mack was like, yeah, get whatever you want, big guy, like go for it. And, uh, you know, it was an expensive ass dinner. Well, expensive for me, probably not super expensive for Khalil Mack at this point. No, that's in his laundry. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, we'll get to some specifics, but I want to give a, a shout out to a couple of few uh, super chats, some members. We had, had Rick join up earlier. So appreciate everybody who's uh, joined up recently. Uh, make sure and get the link to the uh, Discord as well in there. Um, Ricardo Sotosan says, still not happy with the zero T's and three interceptions for Herbert these last two games. Um, we'll certainly dive into that. Um, the interception today was was frustrating because I don't even feel like it's on Herbert. And like third and short, the Chargers go stick again, like we always see them do, and it bounces right off mm -hmm. of Keenan Allen's hands into the hands of a Colts defensive player. So um, I share the frustration about the touchdowns. Mm -hmm. The interception tonight, I think, was kind of a non-story. But I know it's a statistic and people will talk about it, but for mm -hmm. me, that's, that's not on Justin Herbert. Yeah, and I mean, this is the difference between people who watch the games and people who are going to box score watch because people say that Herbert had three yeah, receptions. Sure. And you see the one tonight. You see the one against the Titans where the Titans had the illegal batting thing that happened in the air and Mike Williams just sort of like fell out of the play. So that counted as an interception against Herbert and two of those three that we're talking about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely frustrated with the lack of touchdowns. I yearn for the day that the chargers might have a passing touchdown again uh it, it will come at some point but uh yeah so from that perspective would just like to see the offense be more aerial and remember that they have mike williams and donald parham in the red zone that'd be great um but as far as the interceptions i'm not really concerned about it because it's not like you know herbert was staring down his reads or doing something like that that wasn't a you know concern in this game yeah, as far as the interceptions go, one of them was the flukiest, you know, inbound pass you've ever seen. Yeah. Another one was like that stick call, like you said. Even the one against the the Titans that was on Justin Herbert, if you kind of watch the replay, it didn't seem like it's as bad of a decision. Like you kind of want Mike Williams to do a certain thing. Still, Justin Herbert's fault, but not as bad. But yeah, the whole zero touchdowns over the last two games is a bit of a surprise maybe not as much against the Colts because I think they're a, a little bit better defense, but against a team like the Titans who by all accounts were a bad passing defense, they, I mean, to not have a single passing touchdown is a surprise. After Eckler scored that first touchdown in the red zone, people were like, oh, you know, darn it. Like they're padding Eckler stats to not give it to Herbert. I'm like, I don't know if like that's a, <laughs> like that's not the hill I'm going to die on. Like if, if they run in the red zone and it scores them 40 points a game, I don't care. But I mean, yeah, some people are just kind of upset about that. So at least Herbert's leading them there. I don't know why they can pass from 20 to 20, but they can't run between 20 and 20, but they can run between 20 and zero. And they can't <laughs> and pass from pass. 20 to zero. I don't <laughs> yeah. understand what happens there, especially when you're a quick game offense, but whatever. I yeah, also don't totally understand how physics work because Herbert threw that ball to Keenan Allen and then he just like ran out of bounds because momentum took him there. And oh. That would have been a passing touchdown for uh, Justin Herbert as well. So that was kind of an unfortunate one. Man, that play call, I'm not going to lie. When I saw Joshua Kelly pull up to pass back to Herbert, I was like, what is happening on a third and one? <laughs> you're going to do a double pass? 
Like yeah. what is going on? But uh, Justin yeah, Herbert just I mean, given the last that. given the last couple of weeks in general, that when I saw that, I w- I just immediately had like a Jacoby Myers like flashback just, <laughs> just in case something <laughs> terrible happens on this third and one. But uh, so worked true. out. So true, and obviously it just uncorked uh, by Justin Herbert there. So the next super chat here from Jeremy kind of leads off into this question. Um, can you discuss at least briefly why you think the offense has regressed? I'm happy that anyone on the defense has balled TF out, but the mm-hmm. offense worries me. And I share that worry. I think the everybody kind of expected that, like, hey, like Mike is coming back, Keenan's coming back, mm-hmm. Donald Parham's coming back, things are going to change. It doesn't feel like Joe Lombardi got that memo that all of these guys are back. Um, and just, again, the third quarter offense is so frustrating to me watching them try and be like this patient dink and duck offense. And then, all right, fourth quarter, here's Mike Williams on some deep overs on some crossers. Let's get this, let's get this guy going. And then they score a touchdown on their you know first drive mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. So a lot of this is really kind of circling back to Joe Lombardi. And I hate like putting all of that onus on him. You know, we've certainly seen a lot of execution errors, you know, tonight Trey Pipkins gives up or Trey Pipkins has the holding penalty, yeah. which negates the Donald Parham big play, which would have you know put the Chargers in a, in a great position to score. So there are certainly some execution errors, but the overall approach by Joe Lombardi, it, it still leaves so much to desire. Like it, it's like, he's still trying to call plays with, DeAndre Carter, Michael Bandy, and Josh Palmer out there, as opposed to who he yeah. currently has out there. I think um, it's worse than that. <laughs> so it's it's a lot of coaching issues right now for me. Yeah. There mm-hmm. are some execution errors, like we we've continued to talk about, but you know this this approach that they're trying to establish the run game in the between the twenties, and I understand that I, I've been an advocate for that. But we they didn't throw the ball into the end zone again tonight, at least not that I can remember. Maybe there was one that Justin Herbert kind of threw out of bounds or something like that. Yeah. But it's just it's really frustrating watching them continually throw the ball short of the goal line. And then it's like, oh, we're not scoring touchdowns. Like that's one of the reasons why you're not scoring touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, it just felt like the whole game, Gus Bradley coached like he knew that Justin Herbert and this Joe Lombardi offense would throw short of the six. And it just kind of reared its head every time um, that third and 14 where they end up throwing like a three yard pass to Trey McKitty and he gets tackled like seven yards um, ahead of the sticks. Like that's just kind of an example of like, OK, well, I'm just going to leave that Gus Bradley umbrella back here and then you're not going to like do anything on third down because I'm just going to make all of my defenders run to the ball, get the, you know, uh, mm-hmm. run and get the tackle. So um, just kind of unfortunate in that case, as far as like specific reasons, this offense has regressed. It, it just, yeah, it just feels like they're not using the right players in the right situations. Uh, we've talked about the red zone troubles and the fact that in this game you have Donald Parham healthy you got Mike Williams healthy. Not a single red zone call that I can remember with really either of them. Um, and, you know, just felt like as the game wore on, you know, the things that I, I guess the Chargers do well, they, you know, kind of like Tyler just said, inexplicably stop doing once they get past the 20-yard line of the opposing team. Uh, and that's going to, you know, not result. That's going to result in points not getting put up on the board or settling for field goals. And, um, yeah, I mean, we could talk about some of the specific reasons. The offensive line play definitely hasn't been as good as it was earlier in the season. So I think that's part of the reason as well. Um, 
the running game has kind of been up and down and consistent at times, but just in general, like the stick routes, the spacing on every play, there's just no spacing, regardless of whether they're running stick or they're running something else. It just feels like everything is so clumped together that like no, no wide receiver really even has like a chance to get separation. Right. And, and like develop a route in which, you know, Keenan Allen, you, you even saw this last year, the offensive regression is just so, concerning and confusing because whether it was Steichen in 2020 or even Lombardi last year, it felt like the Chargers just always, you know, had a player that would kind of like be open, whether that was like Keenan Allen on a play. And like, now there's just so few plays where you can see that there's like an obvious guy open or they're just like all clumped kind of like in the middle of the field. And Justin Herbert just kind of, you know, goes through his reads and ends up taking a sack. You know, so yeah. I think there's a lot of reasons that the offense has failed. Uh, certainly uh, regressed in this period. They're lucky that the defense is playing as well as it is, or else we'd be having a different conversation. But um, yeah, it, it is just disappointing because, you know, clinching a playoff berth, having the defense playing as well as it is, the offense is the one thing or the one key component here that is preventing you from being able to, you know, go into Arrowhead and beat Mahomes or go into. Mm-hmm. Buffalo and beat Josh Allen, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, the rest of the quarterbacks that are in the playoffs, this is going to be the one thing that holds them back if they're not able to correct their, you know, Lombardi and, you know, personnel kind of led issues here. Yeah, it was so tough because at some point they just had to adjust to the guys that they had. And I thought at the Chiefs game, granted, one of them, one of the scores took a, a massive kind of Hail Mary shot to Keenan Allen to get close to scoring, but. They put up 27 against the Chiefs. Granted, you know, Chiefs defense isn't like great or anything, but they got to 27. And I'll take that all day long. You take me 27, you know, 30 points or so from this offense. Cool. All good. And they were really trying to get Josh Palmer, DeAndre Carter, and these guys involved on crossing routes. And it really felt like Lombardi finally, like you could kind of see it in the Niners game. But against the Chiefs, you could really see they kind of leaned into the guys that they had. And then eventually, you know, you'll get your other guys back and you can really expand your offense from there. But for some reason, instead of fitting to the strengths of the players and the receivers, it really feels like they've just gone backwards. Like this is the offense I thought they would run, you know, week one last year against the commanders. Yeah. Are they the commanders last year? Yeah, sure. No, the Washington football team last <laughs> the year. The football team last year. Yep. Good grief. Okay. Ugh. This is what I expect last year. Week one, you know, Chase Young, all yeah. these guys, young, you know, or an inexperienced offensive line. I don't know. But the second thing, too, is that other teams have done a really good job generating or whether by blitzing or just regular pass rush, a gap pressure. And I really think that when you have a coordinator who's too stupid to realize that you can roll out your quarterback and that your quarterback's better on the move and that statistically, like literally the defenses statistically that you're facing are worse against play action or guys on the move or whatever. You have, if you can generate great a, a, a gap pressure, you're not moving your quarterback. It's a recipe for disaster. I mean, I, I don't know why. I think going into the game, Mina Kimes said that the Colts were like 31st in something against quarterbacks on the move or whatever it was. And the Chargers yep. were like a top five group, of, you know, moving or the ball when Herbert's on the move. And you're watching and just drop back, drop back, drop back, drop back. You know, yeah. heading into this game, the Chargers had more true pass sets anybody else in the league and that's just completely unfair to to your offensive line who either has been hurt or they're rookies or they've been struggling and herbert like doesn't look 
it, it's hit or miss with Herbert with pocket management and pocket movement. Um, outside the pocket, moving out of the pocket and away from pressure, I think he's been good. Moving up and stepping up, it feels very hit or miss. So I don't know what it is. To me, it's 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 it really is all Joe Lombardi, or 98% of it is Joe Lombardi. Of course, some guys make execution errors, but I guess that's my long-winded way of saying the answer that everyone knew, it's Joe Lombardi. Yeah, what I was really frustrating about tonight. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to bring that up uh, at some point tonight too. Is like they did that fake toss rollout like on the second drive. I want to say, and Herbert got sacked, and it feel like they Lombardi was like, "I'm done. I'm not calling that play ever again." And there were a couple design rollouts later in the second half that you know didn't necessarily work to the way that we're used to. Although that Parham play, I think, was uh, a design rollout um, that got called back from the trade against holding, but. It was just a, a frustrating approach, and it's you know Arjun has continually pointed out the Chargers are so efficient and so effective at play action and the working intermediate and in deep parts of the field, and then if you come out in the first half, you come out in the second half, and it's just a lot of trying dink and dunk, and we're going to try and okay, we'll, we'll we'll feel this defense out, and then fourth quarter happens, second quarter happens, we're going to start opening things up, and it's like if you just do that the whole game, you'll put up a lot more points. Right. Like it's it's you know so simple to me. And, you know, I understand that Joe Lombardi wants to run these things. And in his mind, maybe he's thinking that he's allowing Justin to get into a rhythm and have some easy buttons. But that's counterintuitive, counterintuitive, excuse me, to what we're really learning about offense in the NFL these days, where all these other teams have these easy buttons that are going for 20 yards instead of six or seven yards. And so that was a frustrating approach. And then specifically tonight, it felt like every single third down was like third and 10, third and 11, third and 15. And you just can't ask Justin Herbert to keep playing like that and, and expect to be, you know, going to Buffalo and win a playoff game or even going to Jacksonville for that matter. So, you know, the offense has an opportunity over these next two weeks. The Rams defense has kind of been decimated. Obviously they still have Bobby Wagner and Jalen Ramsey, but they're not going to have to play Aaron Donald. They're not going to have to play, you know, this elite secondary, but, uh, and then the Broncos, we'll see what happens there. Kind of sounds like they're checking out as well. So the offense is going to have an opportunity here over the next two weeks to really hopefully right the ship a little bit more and, you know, start being a more consistently explosive offense that we're, you know, or at least used to seeing last year. Yeah. Um, it also just felt frustrating because everyone, maybe except Joe Lombardi, like knows what the rap is with Gus Bradley, right? Yeah. Like he's never going to blitz. He plays cover three, you know, he, he runs that four, three defense. He's not, you know, you're going to do the same things and the things that work against Gus Bradley are, Hey, his defensive backs are playing so far off. Like do play action, like do RPOs, everything that, you know, kind of Tyler said, uh, and, and the meet Heimstad and all that, that should be pretty successful. Right. And the, this Colts defense, while they've been generally good throughout the year, they've allowed, uh, what was the stat in the last two weeks? I mean, <laughs> obviously the comeback against the Vikings and then they played the Cowboys prior to that. Um, so just mm -hmm. overall, they have not been putting out those kinds of defensive efforts and, you know, to give up, I, I think it's 73 points the last two weeks uh, prior to this game. And then, you know, the Chargers score 13. Um, I mean, 13 prior to getting the touchdown at the end there. Um, just overall, not, a great offensive performance and it just feels like these issues are so correctable and um, I don't know what to say about it at this point other than I hope they fix some of these issues against the Rams and, and the Broncos in their last two games but then how much of that can you really 
carry into the playoffs, right? That's going to be yeah. the difficult thing. Like how much of that is translatable uh, in a shootout with Mahomes, you know, getting these effectively practice reps at this point with Baker Mayfield and the Rams, right? How much of that yeah. can you carry over to the playoffs? I don't know. I hope they can. And I hope the offense gets going in the right direction. I hope they get Slater back. Obviously that would help if, if that is a thing that does happen. Um, but overall, yeah, just not a promising offense right now. Yeah, wrap, we'll wrap this up. Uh, question up here: The Chargers had 67 total plays tonight, only 314 yards of offense, averaged averaged 4.7 yards per play. Uh, so just not uh, not a banner day for the the offense by any means. We'll get to a couple of the other ones here quickly. Uh, Matthew Dahl wants to know: Should Derwin James have been ejected? That was the shoulder. So um, I. I agreed with the ejection personally. I, it, I know he hit the shoulder, but you know the whole thing that the NFL is trying to get rid of is the the leading with the crown of the helmet, and that to me was a, a textbook penalty. Um, whether or not that should have been an ejection, I think kind of is is you know up for interpretation off of the rule, mm -hmm. but it definitely was a penalty, and you know Derwin should know better than that, in my opinion, than than having that kind of technique in that moment. So. Uh, unfortunately, I, I personally do agree with the ejection. It felt like a pretty egregious hit, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I, I don't know if I agree with it in terms of it being an ejection. I don't even know how the NFL legislates that at this point with what's a flag. Yeah, it, I don't Because <laughs> for some reason, I thought it was like two unnecessary roughnesses was then the automatic ejection or something along those lines. I don't know how the NFL legislates that. I think sometimes you just see a hit that is bad enough mm -hmm. to the point where you go okay that guy's out of there obviously college football has things like targeting that are you know in the game um but yeah it, it just felt like a well you know Foles kind of put the ball there and obviously that i think he bears some responsibility for how that played out uh, a little bit as far as derwin though it just felt like kind of a reckless hit to to go all in and and kind of lead with the crown of your helmet lead with the head to the head or neck area um and that's how they were going to call it at that point so, and obviously, you know, Derwin could have brought him down in a way that, you know, this is also an issue for Derwin's safety as well, right? I mean, mm -hmm. he's now in going to be in concussion protocol, presumably for the next week. We'll see if he plays against the Rams, but if he wraps up there just as a standard, you know, tackle before the sticks, you know, we're not talking about him being in concussion protocol. We're not right. talking about um, yeah, the other player being concussion, concussion protocol as well. So it just an all around kind of unfortunate situation. And, you know, people can talk about the game being softer than it was five or 10 years ago or any of those kinds of things. But the NFL is trying to legislate those things out of the games because people don't want them in the game anymore. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's no other choice but to eject Derwin because they're trying to legislate out of the game. If you give him a penalty there, if you give him a fine like that's not going to get it out of the game so to speak um and so you know people can you know the nfl is a different product than it was 10 years ago and people can complain about it being different now um and there's certainly a whole generation of fans that'll do that but at the end of the day by the rules and what the nfl is trying to do now that is what they should have done yeah for anyone who's saying it was a dirty hit i think if you think it's a dirty hit i think that's maybe more of the results than the process um, because I think no, the I don't process think was, was yeah, either. right. I, I think the process was unfortunate. Like you said, there was no reason 
it's not like it was like at the goal line or anything. I get they were trying to get the first down, but you had a couple of yards to give. It did not require as hard of a hit as Jordan was trying to lay in that particular moment. Um, but I don't think it was dirty. I think it just was unfortunate. I think it was fast. I think it was violent. I think he was hit very, very hard. It sucks that both players are either in concussion protocol or going to have concussions or whatever it ends up being. Um, but I don't like I don't think it was dirty. And I know some fans have been trying, not Chargers, not Chargers fans, but just some NFL fans have tried to push that German James is a dirty player since he, you know, put Travis Kelsey in the dirt back at Arrowhead. I don't know why, because that's not really how Derwin James has played. He just hits hard. There's a difference. But by the rules and what they're trying to do, I understand why he was ejected. But I think it was more the result than the process. Derwin James is not a dirty player, but I understand why they also had him ejected. Assuming, like Alex said, that you do just get a one and done for that situation, because I, I always thought it was two. So I don't I don't know how they do that at this point. I thought, I thought college was the one and done. Um, but I guess I'm not paying attention. Yeah, college is the one I'm done. My understanding of the rule is that you can uh, eject if you deem that it's like overly egregious, and that must have been, you know, the decision there. So, uh, Derwin James is definitely not a dirty player. Uh, I think he has a proven track record for a reason. You know, he's a fast, physical player. Obviously, that's mm -hmm. very different than being a uh, dirty player. Just made a, a little bit of a, an error of technique in this specific instance. I mean, if he leads with his shoulder in that specific instance then we're talking about like a great hit right like that's true football and like all this stuff so derwin just you know had, a, had an error of, te uh, of technique there in a in a poor moment so um for what it's worth both players are uh in concussion protocol um both of them ruled out pretty immediately obviously derwin was ejected so he wasn't like confirmed or anything like that right. but brandon said he did say afterward that he is in concussion protocol Okay. All right, we'll get to uh, a couple other ones here. Taylor King, appreciate you uh, becoming a member as well. Uh, and then Solo Man, he says, next two weeks I want Joe to empty the playbook, Joe Lombardi, and try everything downfield. Uh, discovery requires extermination. LOL, I think that's a fantastic way to put this situation for the Chargers. Yes. Go throw it, Jalen Ramsey. Just go for it. <laughs> Yeah, I have a story um, about that. I'll tell you guys later. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, yeah, you can empty the playbook and try everything downfield. But on the other hand, you're then trying to balance that with now that you've clinched a playoff spot, right? You're trying to kind of keep your players healthy. And this offensive line has allowed a lot more pressure, a lot more sacks on Justin Herbert recently. So then, you know, going everything downfield with the offensive line as it currently is. Um, you know, with the Chargers having wrapped up a playoff spot, might not want not might not be what they want to do either. As opposed to it being these single elimination playoff games, obviously you leave everything out on the field. If you're if you're playing the Chiefs or the Bills in the playoffs, what have you? Um, but yeah, I'll be I'll be curious to see how they play the next two weeks. Uh, um, anyway, because I, I feel like I feel like just the last couple weeks of play calling, particularly against the Titans, as banged up as they were and the Colts in this game, the Chargers have kind of come in with a bit of indifference on offense, so to speak, right? And if you're going against the Rams team, that kind of is what it is, you know, with their injuries and how banged up they are uh, on the defensive side of the ball and a Broncos team that has, you know, basically publicly quit on its head coach and resulted <laughs> in a head coach being fired and all of the things going on in that locker room. You know, is, is that going to be a game where even if you do empty out the playbook, we really learn a lot about what the Chargers are, you know, heading into the Chiefs or Bills game. 
Um, would like to see it, but also I do think that with the playoff spot wrapped up at this point, um, I wouldn't be surprised if we just kind of get more of the same or maybe, you know, uh, a little bit better version of what we've seen the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, obviously we hope for some adjustments and uh, kind of leads me to the next one here, Richie. Do you think the offense was better last year because there wasn't much film on it yet? Now teams have caught on. Teams have definitely caught on to the stick mm-hmm. concepts. I mean, we've seen time and time again, everything is so congested in these third down situations. Um, the Chargers have done some kind of stick counters here and there, but um, I don't think that's like the main reason. I think we, we kind no. of covered this already, but I, I will say that teams now know that the Chargers like to throw it to the sticks in these moments. And we've seen that, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, uh, even against the Titans game with Roger McCreary, like he was playing Mike Williams so physically tough because he knew that Mike Williams was going to stop at the sticks and, and turn around. And uh, it certainly caused some issues, but I don't think it's the main reason that I would yeah. say the offense is struggling. If you want to talk about a difference between the offense this year and the offense last year, I think a big difference in terms of why everything is as congested as it is and it looks worse than it does last year or than it did last year is the absence of Jalen Guyton. Um, I think that that's been Mm -hmm. huge in terms of why this offense is kind of as slow and sort of cramped up as it is right now. Yep, that's a great point. Obviously missing anybody although apparently you can use them as tyree kill uh decoys or whatever um <laughs> on your practice squad during the week just not on uh, game day it's also just the offensive or sorry, the offensive line the run game that has been a, a huge difference and to your point about film i don't know that like i don't specifically watch what the Chargers run and when they run it and how they run it but man it feels like every team knows what the Chargers are going to do in the run game these are good players like if you ask me what zion does best it's run blocking if you ask me what matt filer does best it's run blocking Corey lindsay is great at run blocking you know jamari has developed i think into a solid run blocker trey pipkins has been a good run blocker even heading into the year it's like okay if it's one thing trade probably does it's run block better than pass block and we're just they're not they're not running it well uh maybe that's tight ends whatever but i don't know man teams are just teams just there's nothing easy with this run game. It is something after contact for an extra yard, maybe, and you get second and eight, second and nine, second and ten. Like it's so difficult for this team. That's what's if you're talking about keying in on what the Chargers do, it feels like that's where teams seem to be really keying on more than anything else. And then that sets up the stick, which gets, you know, third and eight goes to fourth and one or something. Yeah. I'm- you know, that's something I want to address in the offseason is, is getting like yeah. a legitimate run game coordinator in here. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they did not really do a good enough job of replacing Frank Smith in that regard. Um, so Austin Eckler tonight goes 18 for 67, the two touchdowns. Uh, mm-hmm. So he averaged 3.7 yards per carry. And then Joshua Kelly, nine carries, 33 yards, also 3.7 yards a carry. So the Chargers did rush for over 100 yards tonight mm-hmm. as a team. Uh, obviously, had the one quarterback sneak for Justin Herbert. So the run game was a bit hit or miss. Last week, I felt like they actually blocked very, very well. It was probably their best mm-hmm. run blocking performance since the Browns game. Um, last week was more of a running back issue for me in terms of I would know, agree. Kelly and Austin Eckler kind of left some some meat on the bone in certain situations. So I'm, I'm curious what this week's film will tell. But, um, you know, the run game is, is absolutely somebody or something, excuse me, that uh, has been missing from uh, this this offense. Sorry, we, Richie was after Renee's. I don't know if you want to read this one. I don't know if you oh, want yeah. to talk about this. I have no idea. 
Uh, Renee said, why is Corey Lindsley's head movement just now getting called when he has been doing that all season? Um, did they call Corey for a false start again? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for doing the like, the, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, head down, the quick, the quick snap. No, it's for yeah. a head movement. Oh, yes, a quick snap, but it was his head move. It's not like last week when he walked up to the line and then snapped it or the week before, whatever that was. I must have um, missed this one. I mean, it was so quick, but yeah, it was just uh, walked up. Moved his head, snapped it, called a false start. I I I don't understand the rules at this point. I um, have no idea. That an ineligible man downfield. I I don't understand what the hell is going on. Yeah, because Corey did nope. this all last year, and there was never an issue yeah. either. So uh, I I must have missed this penalty. I don't I, I'm I don't really remember when this happened. So uh, I'll have to go back and and watch it. I guess, but mm -hmm. yeah, no clue. Yeah, no. Our next one here, uh, Keith, and then we're, we're going to dive. <laughs> I appreciate all the super chats tonight, um, you know, and it's you know covered a lot of what we wanted to talk about. But uh, Keith says that he was at the game, just got back to his hotel. Chargers fans took over the stadium, especially at the top of the fourth quarter. Good ratio for an away game. There's been a good ratio all season long. I mean, the, there was a, a yeah. good amount of Chargers fans uh, mm -hmm. in Arizona, in Atlanta. Um, so it's been a, been a good year for uh, the traveling fans. Appreciate anybody who uh, obviously going to these games. Yeah, um, helps that they've gone against the Colts and the Titans, whose fans are seemingly <laughs> exasperated with both of those franchises. Um, but still, nonetheless, I mean, I did not expect the Chargers to, you know, just kind of take over a stadium in Indianapolis, um, you know, somewhere in the middle of the country. Uh, so definitely a good performance there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so there are some uh, specific moments that I wanted to highlight here before we headed out. Um, sure. You know, some of these players obviously deserve a lot of credit for these specific moments. Um, I mean, it it really sucks that Derwin got ejected and got injured because I thought he was playing an incredible game. That interception came at a super crucial moment. I mean, Justin Herbert had just thrown his interception um, mm -hmm. and then Derwin picks off Nick Foles again. Uh, so, you know, it really sucks that his game ended early because I thought that we were, you know, in play for a an all-time Derwin James game this, after, or this evening, I guess. Hmm. Sorry, Britain tweeted a bear with an eye emoji, so that felt very. Promising. Ooh. Mm. Um, Ooh. Sorry. So, uh, yeah, my 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 brain went a different direction. I apologize. But that's <laughs> that's very fun. 
Is is the third week that Ian Rappaport tweets that Joey Bills is going to be back at practice? <laughs> finally, the week. Man, if Joey can come back today, uh, or not today, I'm on mess right now. If Joey can come back soon, that'd be huge. So again, I I know that the the Colts are not obviously an offensive juggernaut, uh, and obviously Nick Foles, but some of these numbers, just looking at them, I mean, the Colts were 0 for 10 on third down. They didn't convert a single third down tonight. Insane. Um. They had, they had eight, uh, or excuse me, they had eight offensive first downs. Eight. Um, you know, they only had 173 yards of total offense. They had 104 passing yards of offense tonight. Um, and then obviously the Chargers get the seven sacks and the three interceptions. Really the only blemish is the 4.9 yards per carry from the, the Colts on offense. But, I mean, this was... This was a dominant performance by the Chargers defense tonight. And, you know, Derwin had a great moment. Asante Samuel Jr. Can't wait to watch that interception on film because that was a fantastic mm-hmm. play. Um, so just just a great game all around from the Chargers defense tonight. And frankly, you know, been a great month for the defense. Okay. If yeah, you I mean, had asked me what I thought their yards per attempt was for the Colts, I would not have guessed 5.4 for Moss. Um I didn't feel like that. I don't know why I felt like I remember so many more second and eight. So I guess there were a couple big runs in there somewhere, but I don't know. Uh, I want to say they got some garbage time with like Deion Jackson at the end too. Um, he got a couple runs. Uh, he does I, uh... not have one listed here, so I don't know who that is. <laughs> Deion Jackson was the guy who actually maybe... started for Jonathan Taylor earlier in the season. So, I uh, I was very surprised to see my guy Zach Moss out there and use so frankly. So uh, again, really the the only blemish is the twelve for sixty five from Zach Moss. Uh, mm-hmm. Other than that, I mean Nick Foles seventeen for twenty nine, one hundred forty three yards passing, three interceptions. His QBR tonight was three point four. I didn't even know you could get that low. Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay, I know from today. I think Tua's was three point five. <laughs> and Davis Mills was three, and that's the worst on the year. I think that was from today. <laughs> Classic passer rating of thirty-one point nine. So, uh, you know, the Chargers defense tonight deserves a, a major hat tip. Go to Mastros, man. Screw PF Changs. We've upgraded. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing too that we have to talk about is that fourth down stop. So the Chargers. Uh, Justin Herbert fumbles and you're like, it's 13 to three at that point. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are feeling that like, Oh, like the typical chargers, like, here we go. This is the, this is the beginning of the end. Um, and so the chargers get to third and short and then fourth and short. Mm-hmm. And then Brain Fahoko and Alohi Gilliman, two of the unsung heroes for the last month of this team, just stonewall this uh, QB sneak from Nick Foles. Lohi Gilman channeling his inner Troy Polymer. That was that was a huge play, and frankly, I think was was really kind of the the moment where I thought that the game was uh, sealed essentially. Yeah, I, I mean, look, that one. Look, if you're trying to QB sneak with a 33 year old Nick Falls behind in that <laughs> offensive line, um, I think that signals some bigger issues. As soon as that game was 10 to three, it was over. Um, you know, and I know that like sounds Was unnecessarily it? like cocky. <laughs> it, it, that's not even about the Chargers, right? Like, just yeah. watching this Nick Foles offense and whatever Jeff Saturday and that Frazier guy are like cooking up, like it was just <laughs> terrible. All 
We're missing everyone on the offensive line. Other than Michael Pittman, they really don't have like a single receiver worth anything. Like that game, other than Foles getting to Jelani Woods early, that game that game was just they didn't have anything on offense. Um yeah, so I yeah, Jeff Saturday really good at challenges, not so good at the rest uh, of it. Yeah, um, when it comes to the whole picture. Um, but yeah, so like I, I just as much as the Chargers, you know, do charger a lot and you know fumble or give away games. Um, I don't know if you're in the same. Cool. I, I was actually just reading Twitter. Are we all doing the same thing right now? Yeah, I was looking for the Brain Fahoko tweet, but oh, that's what it is. Um, yeah, the the Colts offense, man, what a mess. If Matt Ryan's playing tonight, over under fourteen points. No. Colts. Um, under. under but they'll get <laughs> six apparently the chargers just tweeted out something oh they did the sheldon uh sheldon fishing club president again no <laughs> always oh uh, man you can't really tweet anything like you beat the colts like you just can't like there's no new material well, there is new material but you know yeah yeah i think you just have to pivot to we clinch the playoffs instead of like posting Colts means because I mean, uh, you know, it's just kind of you're kicking a dog while he's down at this point with um, how their season's gone. Uh, okay, we're all reading Twitter. Uh, no, I'm, re- I'm reading the chat right now. So, oh, okay, okay, okay. That that is something that happens. Apparently, uh, I mean, we're doing the doing the super chat, so uh, the chat definitely gets read. There was one super chat that I think I missed earlier. Potentially. Yes. When there's hundreds of comments, you got to find the one super chat. Come on, streamer, get it together. Here's one. I'll break the ice from Jeff Thompson magic. Why do y'all think Staley hasn't done anything to substantively tweak slash change the offense? He's for sure seeing what we're seeing, right? Very frustrating. Um, well, depends what, what he wants if we believe that this is the offense that he wants and this is the offense we're going to get um, but otherwise i think for the most part and maybe this is different this year but i feel like staley just kind of lets the offense do its thing kind of in the same vein that he let darius yeah. winton do his thing for special teams last year which hurt the offense quite a bit i think um, <laughs> but it feels like ficken i mean i don't know if staley would want raheem lane over JT Woods or Mark Webb right now. I don't know. But it, by all accounts, it was it was Ryan Ficken who said, no, I would like I would like Raheem Lane to play special teams. And Ryan Ficken got Raheem Lane. So I think that, you know, for the offense, I think Staley just lets him do their thing. And, you know, hey, it's a good scapegoat if you don't make the playoffs or if you fall out of the playoffs, you know, just fire the guy who's been bad. Yeah, I mean, Staley has always been pretty hands-off offense and special teams, uh, as opposed to, uh, instead of just like the macro decisions at the end of the year, right? Obviously saw that special teams wasn't going in a good direction, didn't want to mm-hmm. keep Darius Winton, right? And brings in Ryan Thicken. So when it comes to those kind of like macro decisions, uh, you know, and I'm sure that whether the, when the Chargers 
are eliminated for the playoffs, whether it ends in a Super Bowl or it ends in a first round loss, whatever it is, you know, he's going to have to have that talk or decision on Joe Lombardi as well, um, you know, at the end of the year. And so that's going to be a conversation that he's going to have or something that he's going to think about. Um, but yeah, just as a whole, he's the defensive coordinator. He's the coach. He makes the decisions, but he, you know, is this the offense that he wants? I would say that this probably is not the offense that he wants or the guy who was like, yeah, we're going to fucking throw the shit down the field and do all that. <laughs> yeah. Probably like, isn't his cup of tea right now, but overall I think he's just kind of going to sit back, coach the defense, do his thing. And then, you know, at the end of the year, however the charger season ends, make his decision on Joe Lombardi at that time. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's certainly some things that Brandon Staley, I think, coalesces with what Joe Lombardi also wants. Like I think Brandon mm-hmm. Staley pretty clearly wants some kind of hybrid, like Shanahan, Sean Payton kind of offense. And that's why he's, you know, hired the people that he's hired. Um, so there, there definitely are some things that he knows about this offense that he respects about this offense was the offense that he ran in college and uh, you know, helped kind of run when he was uh, you know first starting out as a coach. So there's there's definitely some aspects that he wants, but we always hear him talk about like when people ask him about, hey, why is the offense not working? And, and you know, he mentions all these things and, and explosive plays is always like at the very top of his list. So I think he's aware of the issues. I just don't think he wants to throw anybody under the bus. I don't think he wants to make that kind of change. You know, he really trusts in Joe Lombardi's judgment and his preparation, things like that. And, you know, we'll see what happens in the playoffs. Like, we'll see what this offense looks like in a playoff game. And if they have a kind of performance like tonight against the Bengals or against the Bills or the Jaguars and they lose because of the offense, I think that would prompt him to to make some changes. And I think we're, you know, at that point when, you know, they, they have to get back to being able to find explosive plays. And I think that really is is one of the bigger problems. There's just – there's no easy buttons unless there's like the one deep pass mm-hmm. crosser route to Mike Williams or Donald Parham or somebody <laughs> in the game. That's like it. So <laughs> their, screen game is, their screen game is trash. They don't have any speed threats. Yeah. So there's there's no easy buttons right now. And I think that Brandon Staley is is aware of those. I just don't – I think like Tyler's saying, he trusts Joe Lombardi to do his thing. But at the end of the season, he'll reassess and say, yeah. you know, start getting more involved in like how to solve these issues. Or yeah, and I, I think firing firing yeah. coordinators is always kind of like a last refuge too, right? Like you don't do it unless you're like a really falling out of like the playoff picture and and doing all those things, or you know, b just like it, it's just completely you know not working. So as long as the Chargers they hovered around 500 all year, got the six and six, have reeled off these three straight wins, you know, Joe Lombardi, nothing's going to be done about that mid season, right? Look, I mean, you see what's happening with Matt Patricia in New England and the Patriots yeah. are seven and eight still vying for a playoff spot. So, you know, he's going to at least keep his job till the end of the season. That's just how NFL teams function. That's how they work. And, you know, uh, I think that we just have to figure out what the decision is and what the direction is in the offseason. Uh, and in the meantime, while the Chargers have these last two games and the playoffs, um, try to, you know, kind of patch up the offense in these last two weeks, fine tune it and do what they can do down the stretch. Yeah. A couple of things that I always see on Twitter. First of all, um, people think that Brandon say would not fire Joe Lombardi because he's so close with, with Joe. 
Darius Swinton was like one of his best friends. Like him and Darius came up together in coaching and like, and he still fired him. So the mm. question is if Brandon said he thinks he needs to do that or does he not feel the thing he right. needs to do that? So I don't think that he has some like crazy allegiance to Joe Lombardi that mm -hmm. he would not fire him if he thinks that he's a legitimate yeah. problem. So that's where I'm at with that thing. I think he would fire Joe Lombardi if the offense continues to be a problem at this point. Yeah, and I think it's a, a macro decision for him too, right? Because you can even point to Darius Swinton last year, right? Uh, the Chargers stink at special teams for really the first 12 mm -hmm. games. The last four games of the season, last month of the season, though, special teams overall like was pretty good. Like They improved their EPA in like a lot of respects. They have yeah. Andre Roberts come on as as the returner. Uh, and mm -hmm. overall, they mm -hmm. looked a lot better in those la in that last month of the season. But Staley was still like, hey, look, you picked KJ Hill. There's no coming back from that and fired him anyway. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I, I think that Staley's going to make the decision from what he sees in a 17 game sample size as to what he sees in a couple weeks or, you know, something like that. Yeah, I really hope we don't get. Good. I, I don't know. My my last last ditch hope conspiracy is that the playoffs are going to look great. I don't know. Just they're <laughs> they're assimilating all he, these. He's different been saving it all up. Oh, that's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> Show them nothing on film. Just stick, 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 stick. First play, we're you know we're gonna get a speed threat. We're gonna have Joe Reed uh, active, and it's gonna be great. That's what's gonna happen. Yeah, uh, Kevin Johnson's gonna be signed before the first playoff game. Oh man. Is he a free agent again? I think he's practice squad. <laughs> I think I think he's available. Gotcha, man. Uh, you know, Kevin Koenig pointed out that there were several calls tonight that were like design man calls, but it's like you're going against Gus Bradley. <laughs> Gus Bradley's not playing man to man coverage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we'll wrap up tonight's show again. The chat has been awesome tonight. Appreciate all you guys for tuning in. Uh, if this is your first time watching the show, hopefully you uh, stick around. Um, all right, so obviously Chargers clinch a playoff spot, first time since 2018. Um, the five seed is in play for this Chargers team. Uh, they would essentially need to win the last two games, which would give them a five-game winning streak to close the season. And then obviously the Ravens would have to lose just the one game. So they just need to be tied with the Ravens. Uh, the mm -hmm. Chargers would have the conference tiebreaker at that point. Um, so that that's the scenario for the Chargers in terms of the five seed. Um, if they lose one of the last two games or if the Ravens win out, then the Chargers would be the sixth seed. So basically we know that the Chargers are going to be the five seed or the sixth seed at this point in time. Uh, when did the Bengals play the Ravens? Is that the last game of the season? Yeah. Last game of the season. Yep. Okay. I'm, I'm curious what they would do if, because I know mean, the Bengals do need to win obviously, but I don't know at that point if they could rest their starters or not because that's kind of the i mean that's that's the loss you're looking for for the ravens so well if the Bengals win this next monday against the bills then they're still in contention for the one seed so yeah. then okay. i don't think they would rest their guys gotcha yeah so if, if they I, I i don't i can't see them resting the starters because if they lose for if they lose next week against the bills they would mm -hmm. still have to beat the ravens to win the division the week after that oh yeah. okay cool yeah. That's and good then the then. Jaguars and the Titans, basically, they're going to be in a week 18 uh, win and end situation as well. So I'd be pretty surprised if it's not the Jaguars getting that four seed at this point. I mean, the Titans have 
everybody on injured reserve at this point. I guess there's a theoretically a chance that Ryan Tannehill comes back for that specific game, uh, mm-hmm. which is crazy considering he just had ankle surgery. Um, but yeah, it's, it sounds it seems like to me. Wait, that you we mean know, the, you mean the Jaguars game? Yeah, Ian Rappaport said earlier this week that there's a chance oh. that Tannehill plays in the Jaguars game oh. week 18 matchup. Oh, okay. That's why they haven't put them on IR yet. Okay, I'll say this. I think, as ridiculous as this sounds, I think I'd rather play the Bengals than the Jaguars, which sounds ridiculous. Really? Because the Bengals are clearly probably a better team. I'm not even considering the fact that the Chargers have, have beaten them last year, although that helps. I just feel like the Chargers need to play anyone where you feel like there's the most coaching advantage possible. <laughs> In terms of head coaches, mm-hmm. and That's I fair, think actually. Doug Peterson just has a bit of an edge over Zach Taylor, even though the the Bengals are better overall. I I mean we did, we we saw this year what it looks like when Staley's defense, who I mean they kind of had Joey Bosa for a half then, you know plays against Doug Peterson. I mean they tore up this defense, whereas the Bengals I think could also do that, but I feel like Zach Taylor is just not quite the same caliber head coach. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go as far as to say I would rather play the Jaguars than the Bengals, but I think the gap between those two matchups for the Chargers is not as big um, as uh, some people would make it out to be. Now, if the Titans win that, you know, week 18 game somehow, then obviously that changes. Give me the Titans, baby. Give give me the fucking (laughs) Titans. Um, But, you know... Look, I mean, Doug Peterson is a really good coach. You have Trevor Lawrence, who is on a heater the last month of the year, has really improved and has started to develop. Um, I think there are a lot of reasons that the Chargers should not want that matchup, uh, especially with the defense playing a lot better that down there in Jacksonville. Uh, so, yeah, as a whole, I would rather still play the Jaguars. Also, big difference between playing in Jacksonville versus winter Cincinnati uh, as your as your road playoff game. But um, yeah, so wouldn't say that I would prefer to play the Jaguars, but I do think the gap between those teams is is a lot smaller. I think for me, when like I like am ranking these teams, if you will, like who I would least rather play, like I think the Chargers are going to have to get to like twenty seven points at minimum in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I just feel like the chances of that happening against the Bengals would be the least likely of all of the teams. Because the Bengals, to me, are one of the best, well, one of the best coached units in the league. Lou Anamaromo is is a fantastic defensive coordinator. Um, I mean, we've seen time and time again once he what he does against these teams. So I feel like the biggest coaching mismatch of any of these potential matchups is the Bengals defense versus Joe Lombardi. That's just how I've kind of looked at this because Brandon Staley is really starting to find his stride. So while Doug Peterson probably does have an edge over him, I think we can at least trust this defense to play a little bit more up to par against the Jaguars than the last time we played them. Right. And, and I don't want to use the last time we played the Jaguars as like the sample size, but I mean, (laughs) they did boat race us by 28 points. Right. Um, Obviously that was a a different chargers team, you know, a couple months ago, you know, and that was the game where like everyone and their mother got injured. Um, But at the same time, it just feels like, I don't know. That game kind of has some disaster potential uh, just in terms of, you know, what the Jaguars are on this hot streak they're on. But yeah, I, I, I don't care as much about the opponent, I guess, as much about the seed. I guess the seed could 
end up mattering if you're the sixth or the fifth seed, depending on who advances in the playoffs. We've seen crazier things happen. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think in theory you want the highest seed either way and probably still want to go to Jacksonville over Cincinnati. But, um, yeah, uh, not too concerned about the seeding at this point rather than just making the playoffs because it's going to be a tough game either way. At Buffalo is the worst, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> In in terms of weather, I mean, they just their team well, just got sure. snowed. They, all their cars <laughs> got snowed in, man, while they were gone this week. Yeah. But I do agree with Alex. I think if they can get to the five seed, it does give them a potential advantage. Because if you theoretically the seven seed, which would probably be the Dolphins at this point, mm-hmm. if the Dolphins go into Cincinnati or whatever, then there's a chance that the Chargers could host a second playoff game, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, is something to consider too, if they're able to get up to the five seed. Mm-hmm. Joey Bosa. <laughs> Did somebody else just tweet something? Uh, nope, not a tweet, but you know. Oh, somebody messaged you? Ooh. Gonna just move on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that afterwards, I guess. Um, but yeah, obviously very exciting times to be a Chargers fan right now. Back in the playoffs, uh, again, Brandon Staley, Justin Herbert, all these guys deserve a lot of credit for getting this team into this position. So, uh, Tyler, we'll uh, wrap this up for you, man. Any final thoughts before we head out? Next Sunday, it's Arjun's birthday. So if you see him <laughs> at the game, we're going to be there. I'm taking Arjun to the game. Wish him a happy birthday. He's turning 21. Ooh. If you see him. You can now buy him alcohol. He definitely <laughs> never had a drink before in his life. Um, <laughs> so happy birthday in advance, Arjun. Hopefully we can get a win against Baker Mayfield and the Rams. Yeah. Happy early birthday to Arjun. I will be there as well. Uh, me and Brooke are making the trip down. We're going to the Rose Bowl the day after that. So uh, should be a fun one. Alex, uh, any final thoughts before we head out? Yeah, it's great that Arjun's never had a drink. I've been drinking can of Malibu the entire podcast. Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> overall, yeah, I, I think this was a good win for the Chargers. Happy to see them in playoff positioning. Uh, and yeah, I hope that Arjun's birthday is not upset by two-time MVP Baker Mayfield. Uh, I hope that the Chargers <laughs> can secure a win and not, not spoil spoil uh, what should be a really good birthday for Arjun. But uh, yeah, so happy that game got flexed out too. I, I, I could not take another one of these, uh, you know, let's stay up till, oh, it's 1 a.m. Uh, on the East Coast kind of games. But overall, happy the Chargers <laughs> got the win tonight. Happy they're in playoff positioning and, uh, you know, bring on whoever it is in the playoffs and pray to God this offense looks better the next two weeks. Yeah, I am a little surprised they didn't choose the Packers and the Vikings uh, over the Ravens and the Steelers. But I guess the Steelers sure. are technically still alive somehow which is crazy to me but you know that's the nfl this year um obviously really excited about this uh upcoming stretch for the chargers a lot of uh you know fact the fact that they could get to 11 wins still is, is kind of crazy to me um so hopefully the offense can get right take care of business over the next couple of weeks uh if you offer me any alcohol next week i will say i will politely say no and pass it to arjun so uh, if we want to get Arjun really drunk on his birthday, uh, just offer it to me and I'll just hand it out. Can he be on the podcast after getting <laughs> shit faced for his birthday? I want him to hey do the analytics. Some analytics. Yeah, <laughs> analytics with Arjun Anonymous. 
Um, but yeah, man, obviously appreciate everybody uh, tuning in this week. Uh, great win for the Chargers. Great moment. Great day for the, the franchise. Um, everything lined up perfectly for them this weekend. So um, we'll be going live on Thursday this week for our preview show. And then obviously uh, Sunday for our uh, regular show after that. So um, appreciate everybody tuning in tonight. That's going to do it for us. And we'll see you on Thursday. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.